Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, with Avery Carl, she's the owner of the short-term shop. She's a long-term rental owner. She's also a short-term owner. And she also has tons of people she works with in the space of short-term rentals. So when it comes to this topic, she knows what she's talking about. And what I really love most about this episode is she just gave some phenomenal tips, not only like how to find the right market, things that I even learned that I'd never even heard of, but in terms of from finding it to financing it to then managing it. And all those things are important to really set yourself up for success. So I loved like the nuggets she just threw into all those buckets. Yeah, this is a must watch show for people that are, are looking to invest in short term rental. There's nobody better than Avery to share, to dive. We dive in in so many things. She also shared the enemy method is what they use to price their properties. You cannot miss this episode. So enjoy. Before we get into Avery's story and all her tips. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are on a mission to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Right, Andressa? Indeed, whatever balance means to you. Yes, we like to say that. We don't want to get into debates about balance. <laughs> we should get into a debate at some point because we all want it, but it just doesn't happen at the same time, right? So when we're focused on one thing, obviously it's not balanced in and of itself. So what we stand for is women living life on their own terms. Yeah. Right? So uh, so excited to have another wonderful woman on our show today, Avery Carl. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and for being a guest on our show. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
Yeah, really excited to jump into Avery's story and all her wonderful wisdom, especially when it comes to short-term rentals. We're going to jump into really holistically, we're going to jump into a lot of different topics in that realm. Before we do that, we always like to um, kind of connect with all of you. Even though we can't see you, we, we just want to share something that's coming up for us in a very quick way. And then we jump into our interview. So Andressa, what, what is going on? Well, this past weekend, I took my son to Lego store and we had a little situation there after oh. the Lego visit. We went to eat and there was this carousel in the middle of the mall. And then he's like, oh, I would like to, to go, but I just want to get ice cream and sit down and relax on the carousel. I was like, okay, great. Sounds like a good plan. So in, in the midst of like going around and around, and I think I'm getting older and I was like, oh, this is painful. <laughs> this is painful. I want to get out of this here. And then he was getting upset. And then I was like, what's going on here, right? You said you wanted to come sit down and just relax. And then at the end, we got out and then he started kind of like crying. And I said, what, what's happening? And then he's like, I wish I, I went to, I, I was riding the horse instead. It's like, well, not a problem. Let's go again. And this time you go, you pick a, a horse and you ride the horse. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, okay, so we got to go home. No, I don't want to do that. And then there was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, give me like some wisdom over here because we are in a situation. And then I realized that what he was trying to say is that he regretted his first choice. And that he wished he would have picked the horse and not sitting down there. So I went to this holistic approach. I don't know if it's right or wrong, whatever. It worked. It's like, listen, not because you made a choice at first that you wish you had, you could have made a different one. You cannot make a second choice and try it all over again. It's like, oh, we can try it again. Well, I was like, well, buddy, I have to pay it again. But yes, indeed, we can try a hundred times if you want here. It doesn't matter, right? You can try again. And then he went to the freaking horse, had an awesome time and we would go back home. The reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes we start in real estate and then we look back and we say, oh, I wish I have done X, Y, and Z, or I wish I didn't do that. And it's the same thing. Well, make a different choice today. And you are able to pivot and you are able to pivot as many times as you want. So don't think because you started you know, flipping houses that that defines your real estate career. You can change it. You can leverage. You can play in different baskets. So keep that in mind. Don't freak out as my son did, you know, and, and leverage. Leverage this community, all the wisdom that we, we bring over here for you guys. It's available. And if you come to that, you know, stuck moment, reach out and say, listen, this is what's going on in my head. What are you guys thinking here? What would you do if you were in my position? And then go, go for it. You are able to make another choice if you didn't like your first one. Love it. I love it, right? We spend so much time in regret and we waste so much time in that, in that space. So I love that. It's a great, 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 this visual of you going around and around and like a, um, like a spinny thing. So yeah. I'm with you. I cannot do those things anymore. It's just because we're old now. We can't do those things anymore. <laughs> I love it's that. Painful. Yeah, painful, exactly. Can um, we hire a VA to do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jump on the uh, spinny, spinny rides oh, with, our, with our kiddos. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So excited to have Avery on our show today. Avery is a trusted partner of ours in the investor community. She is um, an entrepreneur, a rental owner herself, and it, the list goes on and on. Avery is also the author of a very new book, Bigger Pockets, is published called Short Term Rental Long Term Wealth. It is a phenomenal book. You can get it on Bigger Pockets, you can get it on Amazon, but I'm really excited for her and all her wealth of knowledge she packed into that book. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Before we go to short term rentals, which is a very uh, hot topic today, I uh, would love to start the conversation, Avery, in with the question. What propelled you to get involved in investing? Well, it was kind of an accident. I think like a lot of people don't, uh, nobody grows up and say, says, I want to be a real estate investor when I grow up, or I want to be a real estate agent when I grow up. But I kind of fell into it uh, because my husband and I moved from New York City to Nashville in 2013 in search of more space and just ease, easier way of living. And our real estate agent at the time was really trying to get us to buy in this really fast appreciating hip area of Nashville. And we were like, no, thanks. We didn't move from Brooklyn to Tennessee to have neighbors. So we want to buy something out in the country. And so we did that. But then we started thinking, well, if people are making that much money in appreciation over like a year and a half, maybe we'll be really smart. We'll be these geniuses and go buy one of these things. And then maybe when our future kids go to college, it will have appreciated enough that we can then sell it and pay for their college. We thought we were like the smartest people ever. Nobody's ever thought about doing this. We didn't even know it was called real estate investing. So we did that. And luckily we got a really good one. The mortgage on it. So we got it for 122 and the mortgage on it was 650 bucks a month. And we were able to rent it for 1500 a month. Nice. So for a couple of people who didn't know what they were doing, <laughs> it's really not bad for a single family long-term. So it was then when we got our first rent check that we thought, oh, this is something that we want more of. We want to build a business on this. And um, so then we started reading the books and listening to the podcasts and, and doing all that and edu actually educating ourselves on the tens of thousands of dollars that we just spent. So that's kind of how we fell into it. I, I love that, right? Because not any time, like a lot of the many stories that I hear is that like we just did it, right? Sometimes ignorance is a bless. And I was ignorant so many times in, in my career that I was like, well, I didn't know you couldn't appeal an appraiser. So I did it. <laughs> it goes on and on. But what I want to talk to you about is, you know, short-term rental. And when we think about short-term rental, it's not this like, oh, 50 years ago when we started short-term rental, it's quote unquote, a new strategy that it's been, it's been going on. And I really appreciate watching you at Bigger Pockets Conference because I've been doing Airbnb since 2012 and still, you and, and, and Ziona were really bringing so much to the table because if you dive into this strategy, it's not as risky and, and like time consuming as people think. You are able to leverage it. So for all of you that are listening right now, it's time to dissect, you know, Airbnb. So for the folks that are thinking about this strategy, they heard that you can make double, triple the rent where they should start. They should start with the property. They should start with the market, with the decoration. With Where should they start thinking about uh, short-term rental? You always want to start with the market because the regulations are going to be really different depending on the market that you're buying in. So for me, although the Airbnb thing is new as of the past 10 to 15 years, I stick to markets where short-term rentals have been a thing 
for decades and decades. Like right now I am sitting on the Emerald coast of Florida, which is in the Florida panhandle. And there were vacation rentals here in the twenties before there was even electricity on the beach. So I stick to areas like that. I call them mature vacation markets. So this is an area where, and there's lots of them across the country. You can think of any of them, you know, with just a little bit of thinking. You can think of it with a little bit of thinking that it makes sense, whatever. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) but I try to stick to markets like that because Typically, since they've been around for so long in those types of markets, the regulations will be much more established and less susceptible to change. So always start with the market. From that perspective, too, I mean, is it something that, I mean, if you go into a vacation rental and you're actually, you know, vacationing there, those are always good places to start because you you actually enjoy going there. But in terms of like mature, is it like, how do you assess that in talking to realtors? Do you, you know just doing your own searches? I mean, what would be some kind of signs of, of that, if you will? So there's a few ways you can you can kind of come to the idea independently. You could get on the Google machine and go that route, but we're coming to the idea independently. So I'll tell you how I thought about it. So you can think of anywhere that you went when you're maybe a kid with your parents where you stayed in a single family house or a condo rather than a hotel. So what I mean by mature vacation rental markets is Areas that people have been staying in privately owned residence, whether they're condos, single families, you know, cabins, beach houses, what have you, for decades and decades rather than a hotel. So a lot of metro markets are having a lot of problems with regulations because historically people have always stayed in hotels until about 10, 15 years ago. Airbnbs and short-term rentals kind of became a real estate investing strategy. So then all these investors descended upon those markets. And now there's a lot of turmoil with the short-term rental regulations. So anywhere that it's typical for people to rent a house or a condo rather than a hotel is somewhere that I personally would be interested in looking. And Avery, let's talk about the, the, continue talking about the market. Would you say every single market, it is a good market for short-term rental besides those specific that you're saying? What I mean by that is that there are some areas that are more seasoned right? Beaches and or ski resorts. What are the pros and cons of those rather the other areas where there's sports and and conferences and things all year long? What are the criteria that if somebody's looking for a say, listen, if you are looking for a seasonal area, focus on this. If it is all year long, then focus on this. Is there a specific difference that you could shine a light on? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, you always want to look at the gross annual income of a property rather than the price per night or the seasonality. And I'll give you a little example. So I own a four bedroom property in two separate markets that I paid about the same price for. So one of them is in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, which is really more of a year round market. It only slows down between like January, February. The other one is a four bedroom, a few blocks off the beach in Destin, Florida, and it is seasonal. It makes all of its money between March and October. So the Smoky Mountain one has an occupancy rate of about 85% and the Florida one has an occupancy rate of about 70%. But the Florida property makes about $25,000 more per year than the Smoky Mountain property that has a much higher occupancy rate. So it just, you kind of have to look at everything from a gross annual income perspective because occupancy rate can be a little bit misleading. If you're somebody who wants to be able to use the property yourself 
quite a bit with your family without cutting into your income, then maybe a property in a more seasonal market, like a beach market is good for you. Or if you're just strictly looking at it as 100% an investment, you don't really ever plan to see it, then maybe you want to invest in a more year round market where it's just kind of the same amount of money coming in month over month. Great, great recommendation. I it kind of like, you really think about people get so fixated on markets and they don't know why, but when you really get down to it, it's like, what's the income? What's the annual income? And I think, you know, I think a lot of people miss those kind of very important, but very, you know, key things to, to evaluate. I love that. So let's go down from that perspective and from a market perspective, what do you find newer short-term rental investors, if you will, make? What, what are like rookie mistakes? What are rookie mistakes they should be, we should be avoiding, if you will, in looking at those markets? The number one thing you want to look at in any market is regulations. That You should look at that before you ever talk to a real estate agent, before you ever get financing. That is the most important thing. And I see rookies all the time reaching out to agents or reaching out on in Facebook groups saying, hey, I decided I'm going to buy in this one market and I found this property. I'm about to make an offer. Like, what do you guys think? And turns out they it's not even legal to do it there. So you really want to make sure that you're allowed to do the thing that you're trying to do before you go engaging people and then also engaging capital to do that. So regulations is the number one most important thing in a market. Besides that, Avery, if it is regulated, right, or sometimes it's not illegal, but there's no real regulation towards it, regardless of that, would you also run the numbers as if, if it works in a long-term, long-term hold in case the politicians change the regulations? Would you do that as like a plan B? That is a really good question. So that works really well if you're planning to buy in a metro market because metro markets typically have a lot of jobs. So we use Nashville, for example. Nashville has tons and tons of industry coming in. So lots of jobs outside of the tourism industry. So if you're buying in a metro market, that's a really good plan B. But in the markets that I buy in that are very, very tourism driven, where there's been, there's typically more short-term rentals than there are people who live there. If something were to come and completely wipe out all short-term rentals, not all of us who are owners would be able to convert. So that is a, um, like a con of the regional drivable vacation market. But with that being said, if anything was going to come along and wipe out all the short-term rentals and all the vacation markets, it was going to be COVID. And it actually caused a boom because they're accessible in the regional ones. So, you know, we're not talking about flying to Aspen or flying to Hawaii. We're talking about driving five to eight hours from your house because they're accessible they boomed. And uh, because they're affordable, they boomed. Quick question about, I want to pick back on, on COVID. What are the changes that happened during COVID that you think are going to stay? What actually were actually positive? Well, really, I think it is now the flexibility of work and school. So now remote work is much more, I mean, it was pretty commonplace before, but now it's much more commonplace. And then remote school has been introduced. That was never really something that was thought about, but now people have a lot more flexible schedules to where they can go vacation in the middle of the school year and their kids still be able to go to school. So I think the remote work and education has really kind of changed travel in terms of just being able to take off for a week. And, you know, you can get all your stuff done while you're gone. I think that's going to be something that continues forward. Sense. You you mentioned somewhere, I forget where you mentioned this, but I, I want you to touch on this because this is something I, I learned recently. You said, you said how important it is to choose the right market and actually saves you on upfront costs. 
So just wanted you to, I wanted you to spend a little time on that and, you know, expand on that if you can. Yeah. Yeah. So in the markets that I invest in and that the short-term shop works in, since most all of the inventory that is being traded is either an existing investment or someone's vacation home. A lot of times they're gonna come furnished. So you can just cross that line item off of your analysis because that's a really big upfront cost. It can be, you know, between 15 and $60,000 to furnish a property. So if you're buying in the right market, a lot of times they'll come furnished and that can really cut down on your upfront costs. If you're not, if you're not doing that, because I think it's an awesome idea. If you're not doing that, how how long do you think? And I I know it kind of varies from market, but is there like a, a range of how much one investor should plan ahead when they are starting? They are listing for the first time their short term rental. What are the the range? Is it a month, two months, six months? What they should plan besides the furnishing, but also the operations, the cost of operating it. Is there a, an average that you would recommend for them to to have out of pocket or consider on their finances and not expect to cash flow day one, which be awesome and it happens, <laughs> but you know, plan for the worst and expect like, expect the best, plan for the worst, something like that. Is there any, a specific range that of time that you would recommend? So as far as finances, I would say the rule of thumb is 10,000 per bedroom. So if you're buying a four bedroom house, you can expect to spend about 40,000 bucks in furnishings and getting, getting things ready. And then in terms of how long I would, it kind of depends on the market. So if you're in a market where having like a designer or a furniture company come deliver a bunch of stuff is easy, then it would be shorter. But if you're having to like play Wayfair and Amazon roulette and like be at the property and you don't know when this is going to come or when that's going to come, it might be a little bit longer. But if you're having to furnish the entire place, I would give yourself a month from closing just to be extra sure. Give yourself some, some time in case something doesn't get delivered on time. I give yourself a month if you have to start from scratch furnishing to get everything set up and rolling. And then... As long, how long it would take to start cash flowing kind of also depends on the market. So right now, if you're buying at the beach, we're going into the slow, slow months. So it's a really good time to buy and furnish something, but you are going to have to carry it until probably about March when the um, spring break bookings start coming in. So it just kind of depends on the market, how quickly you can cash flow and also the time of year. Who's the market, you know, you're excited about, you know, particular market and, you know, obviously you start sourcing opportunities. I'm curious about the, the the amount of value add, and I, I'm I'm a long term hold person, right? So I've always had the traditional rentals, and I think about like the more value add, the more money you can make, you know. But there's more work to be done, right? The classic Burr strategy. I'm assuming that's the same thing. Those are, are those still like the greatest opportunities to find something that you know is a, is a classic, you know, buying it, renovating it, and, and creating creating that kind of short-term rental or, or is it something that's like almost ready to go and you have to just do some minor updates? I'm curious, like at what level of value add is it? Is it like, is there a sweet spot kind of similar to traditional rentals? So it's a little bit different than traditional rentals, at least if we're talking single family. So a lot of mm-hmm. times with traditional rentals, you're, if you're, if it's a value add property, it's either something that somebody's lived in as a primary home for a long time, or there's been a very, very long-term tenant. And What happens is, let's take a primary home, for example. If somebody's getting into financial trouble, and obviously the house that they live in is going to be the last thing that they let go, typically for a discount, because now they've gotten in so much trouble that they have to get out uh, in order to avoid foreclosure. Uh, With short terms, at least 
in the markets that we're in with the vacation rentals and things like that, all of the inventory here is either someone's vacation home or someone's investment. So they're going to unload that before they get in financial trouble with it. Whereas in a market where there's a lot of primary homeowners, there's going to be a lot more of that distress that hits people's actual doorstep that you're able to capitalize on a little bit more with, for the value add opportunities. So there are value add opportunities in vacation markets, but they just look a little bit different. So I have bought a foreclosure in a vacation market, uh, but like an opportunity that I had over this summer is a property that was built in 2019. So almost a brand new, brand new construction. And it was a three bedroom and it was listed as a three bedroom. But when we got there, there was a partially finished, like really all it needed was drywall and flooring. It was totally part of the, you know, finished furnished HVAC, or sorry, not furnished, finished and <laughs> vented is the word I'm looking for. So anyway, all we had to do was flooring and paint and put some furniture in there and it became a legal four bedroom. So that was a really good value add for us. It added about 75,000 in value. And so you kind of have to look for the opportunities like that of where you can add an extra room to add that extra income because you aren't always going to find, and there are some distressed properties, but you're not always going to find stuff that is like a true burr opportunity, but ways that you can just add value in other ways. I love that. And when, when people are thinking about listing and marketing their, their brand new property, there are some different lines of thoughts, right? Focus on only Airbnb or others, only your your own website, your own on, on resources or several other websites that have been, are able to list it. What is the strategy that you have seen that it's been uh, very successful? So for us, we stay so booked just using Airbnb and VRBO that we don't complicate our lives with our own direct booking websites and things like that. There is like a big movement of owners who are, don't want to have to be dependent on those websites, which I totally get that are really into booking direct and having their own websites. But for us, the goal is for it to be as passive as possible because, you know, we still view this as a real estate investment and not as like a hotel that we're starting. So for us, as passive as possible, which means not messing with the whole website thing. So you don't really get as many bookings as not enough bookings to warrant the amount of work. Let's go on that route, right? Because that's the big elephant in the room because people think like, how can I make this as passive as possible? I don't want it to be this burden that I need to keep answering people's calls. They can't find the code or whatever. They can't find the key. The key doesn't fit (laughs) or the toilet or whatever. They, I don't know how to turn on the the TV or whatever <laughs> situation. Where is where is the closest Whole Foods? Where is pharmacy, the restaurants or whatever that, all those questions, right? How can they make it as passive as possible for, for them? What are the strategies or what have you put in place to make that happen for you? So there are a lot of tools to help you do that now that did not exist when we first started. (laughs) So uh, the biggest one that you're going to need is your property management software. So there's a lot of different tools that people use, but they used to be called channel managers. Now they're just calling it property management software. So the one that we use is your porter that it just changed, got bought. It's now called Guesty for hosts, but your porter slash Guesty for hosts, IGMS, owner res, there's a bunch of them. So what those do is they take all of your listings that you have. So if you have four or five properties across you know, two or three booking websites. So Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com and brings it all into one dashboard. So all of your communication with your guests can happen in one place. You're not having to go over here to booking.com or over here to VRBO. 
it syncs everything together, including your calendar. So, and there's a lot of the most important part of it for me, or there's two really big parts, but one of the most important parts is that you can automate a lot of your messaging. So if there's a lot of questions that you get all the time, like where's the Whole Foods, where's the pharmacy? We have that in our initial welcome email. This is how far all of these things that you might need are. This is the independent company that delivers food here, or this is the grocery delivery company, or we're this far from this attraction or that far. And so all of that is answered in all of our different automated templates. So our guests will automatically get an email today or not an email, a message on the platform two days before booking that says, Hey, here's the directions to the house. Here's the address. Here's your, the Wi-Fi password. Here's the code to get in the door, all of that stuff. So that they're not having to ask us all of these things. It's automatically going to them. And we answer every possible question in that message that they could possibly ask. And then uh, they also get one the day before checkout with all the pertinent checkout instructions and things like that. So that automated messaging is what really, really helps to make it streamlined and passive for you as an investor. And then the other big thing that it does is it syncs your cleaning with whatever calendar your cleaner's using. So if somebody goes and books you on Airbnb, automatically goes and puts it on your cleaner's calendar. So you're not having to automate that. I spent countless hours back in the day of the beginning of every month, making a list of all the, we call them turns, but all the cleans that our cleaners had to do that month across five different properties and sending it all to them, made sure I send it two different ways to them. So there's no way for them to accidentally miss something. And it was just so time consuming. So the property management software has really, really made it easy as a, for making it as streamlined and taking as little time as possible. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks? He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. You've had a long day and waiting for you at home is a frozen dinner. You deserve better. Thankfully, Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals are here to help. Fuel your body with what it needs with over 35 delicious, dietitian approved weekly options, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto Meals, all ready in just two minutes. They're restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. That's right. No prep, no dishes, no more messy meals. And we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, every meal is dietitian-approved, nutritious, and delicious. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. And pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. With breakfast options like pancakes, midday snacks, smoothies, and more, you'll stay fit and full all day. I'm getting hungry just thinking about Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash investher50 and use code investor50 to get 50% off. That's code investher50 at factormeals.com slash investher50 to get 50% off. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest stay. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing or two about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with a reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com backslash biggerpockets. Question for you, because again, I'm relating this to what, what I know well in terms of more long-term rentals. To go along with property management software, in, in a lot of ways, especially large multifamily, you need a property manager, right? And it's a whole team of people managing right. these, these multis. I know you've talked about this before, but in a lot of ways, the property management software is all you need, right? Or are you saying that you would hire a property manager to go along with that software? I just want to get clear on that because I think I've, I've heard different things. So I want to get, and I've, I've heard different philosophies on that. So I'm curious to get your insight. Great question. So I'll preface this with, I own eight short-term doors and 94 long-term doors. All of our long-term doors, we offload to property managers. I don't want to have to be doing showing people the property. I don't want to have to be looking at your credit report and checking with your job references and looking to make sure you've never been evicted before. That's, I don't want that. That's a big job. Somebody else can do it. It's also a lot cheaper for a long-term property manager than it is a short-term. For short-terms, you're not having to do all of these credit checks and call references and do all this stuff. They just book it and it's done. So for short-terms, the... Average property management split that a property manager takes is 25% of your gross. And to give some perspective on that, across my eight this year, which it will be more next year because two of my properties I didn't even own the entire year. But if I paid 25% to a property manager in 2021, I would have paid somebody $200,000 to do something that could be done from my phone. I rarely have to answer. It probably takes two and a half hours a week across eight properties. So for me, that two and a half hours a week is worth that 200,000. I can go buy a 15 unit multi in the market that I invest in multis, or I can go buy a million dollar, another short-term rental. So for me, that cost is not worth the job. So, um, with the amount of time it takes, it's not worth $200,000 for me. Yeah. It's like the cost and the benefit, right? There's a cost of things and then there's the benefit. and, And we're, we're constantly as investors figuring that out. And, and, this, and, and evaluating it. So that's a really interesting perspective. So, so the software should be, as long as you're, you're automated and have a lot of your kind of common uh, questions answered, do you really need like a handyman? How important it is to have that local boots on the ground like, like it is in other niches? Is it really helpful to have like, you know, like a team obviously, but is, is the, do you find that like you have one or two go two people or is it that changes often? Let me back up real quick to the property management thing again. So a really happy medium that we use is offshore VAs to help us manage our systems and answer a few things and just kind of keep an eye on the systems. And it's not a full-time job for them. We have them help us in other ways across the rest of our businesses. But if you're at the point where you've scaled a little too big to want to do it all yourself, a VA is a really awesome and affordable way to do that. Now, back to your personnel question, you really need for a handyman. So first of all, you need two people. You need a good cleaner and a good handy person. And you want to have more than one handyman because 
if something happens that needs to be attended to quickly and your favorite handyman can't get there, you want to be able to call a few other people to make sure somebody can get there quickly. So you want to have like a list of five, if you can, uh, with a cleaner, it's a little bit different. You only need one cleaner. You don't want to have like a backup cleaner where you've got two different people dealing with things. Your cleaner will cover their shift, so to speak, if they're going to be out of town or something. I've never, ever had a cleaner just not show up in the years that I've been doing this and eight properties. I've never had one not show up unless it was my fault scheduling. So typically cleaners, it's in their best interest to show up because if you're getting bad reviews because someone showed up to a dirty cabin, you're getting booked less and they're working less. So it's mutually beneficial for everyone to do their job, but you definitely want to make sure you have a list of handymen. Yeah, that's huge, right? Because the response is, I mean, it's important in every investment, but especially in that, right? Because that's the business. Um, That's where your reviews come from. So let's talk about financing a little bit. And I know there's some really creative ways can to I, finance. Can I ask, before we yeah. jump into that, yeah, just the, the, the pricing of it, because a lot of people get confused with pricing. So uh, what I'm going to say is like pricing in terms of pricing per night. And also, I, I've seen also two different lines of thoughts about pricing your cleaning. A lot of people want to make it very cheap. My properties have high, quote unquote, high price per cleaning. And I never had anybody saying, oh, that's too expensive, especially with COVID and everything else. We want to make sure everything is super clean. But let's talk about pricing. How can somebody price their property appropriately? How often they need to review or bring it up, bring it down in the cleaning portion, if you could talk over uh, about that. Sure. So just like you have your property management software, there is actually a separate pricing manager that can sync with all of that. The one that I use that I have found plays the nicest with all the other tech that we use is Price Labs. And what a pricing manager does is it is constantly analyzing past and current booking information in the market that you're in. So whether it's based on holidays or events that are happening or prices per night that other people are getting, it dynamically prices you to get the highest price per night that you can get. So you can go in there and set it with a minimum and a maximum because it can sometimes price you too high to where you don't get booked and you don't want that. So you can set a minimum and a maximum and it will dynamically price you where you need to be based on what's going on in the market. Back when we had to do everything manually, A, that really sucked, but B, when we started using a pricing manager, our income went up about 20% because we were optimizing every night. So you definitely, if you get nothing else, you need a pricing manager. There's a few other ones, Wheelhouse, Beyond Pricing, but Price Labs is the one that we use. And then in terms of your cleaning fee, so you, a lot of people can get confused about gross annual income and cleaning fees and do cleaning fees. Should cleaning fees be included in gross annual income? A lot of people will say, no, gross annual income is just the price per night. This is a big sticking point with me because in junior high, you learn what the word gross means and it means all money's coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It doesn't mean this minus a couple of things. It means all money's coming in. So you want to include the cleaning fees for a number of reasons. A, because that's what gross means. B, because uh, when you get 1099 at the end of the year from Airbnb and VRBO, that number is going to be your income, including the cleaning fees. So it can really throw off your calculations if those aren't included. And then C, 
Your cleaning fees are not just quote a pass through expense. You should not just if your cleaner's charging you 150 bucks a clean, you should not just be charging your guests 150. You need to be charging 175 or maybe 200 because there is income there. So you want to get that extra income. So it becomes difficult to analyze what gross means if you're not including the cleaning fees. Well, there's income in the cleaning fees, so that should be included in the gross. So that's the way we do it. So in terms of um, in terms of just like options for financing, I know there's some creative ways to, you know, to to kind of get get these projects financed. Tell us a little bit about what, you know, what's kind of what are a lot of people doing right now in terms of um, so it's not the traditional 20 percent down. Yeah, yeah. So I actually started a mortgage company called The Mortgage Shop to kind of bring all of the different products that people use into one place because I found that we were having to send our clients to this bank for this and this bank for that and 100 different people. So uh, we brought it all into one place and what people typically use. So a lot of people have used uh, what's called a vacation home loan in the past, which is a conventional loan. And it's, you know, Fannie Freddie. So based on your debt to income ratio and all that. The cool thing about a vacation home loan is it's only 10% down rather than the traditional 20, but there's some stipulations to that. So A, you have to be using it as a vacation home. So you have to stay there for a certain amount of time out of the year. Most lenders are going to save 14 days. Uh, it has to make sense. So it can't, you can't buy the house next door to you and call it a vacation home because they will say <laughs> no, that would be mortgage fraud. Um, so it has to make sense. So it has to be a lot of lenders use the 65 mile rule. It has to be 65 miles away from your primary. That's not a Fannie Freddie rule. It's just kind of different between lenders. Also, the biggest one is that you can't put any sort of a contract on it that takes control of the property away from you, like a lease or a property management contract. Because when you think about it, it's you're supposed to have control of it. If it's your vacation home, you need to be able to go there. But there's nothing in the Fannie guidelines as of now that says you can't rent the property on Airbnb and VRBO when you're not using it. So that's how a lot of people finance. That's kind of all there was back when I first started was like a regular old commercial loan or conventional. Now times have changed and there are some really cool products called DSCR loans, uh, which means debt service coverage ratio. And these are kind of a hybrid between a portfolio and a commercial loan. And you can get these for 15% down in most cases. And what, or not in most cases, 20% in most cases, there's only two, two lenders who will do 15% down and we're one of them. But what the DSCR loan does is you are qualified based on the property rather than your own debt to income ratio. So if the property, if your mortgage is going to be 2000 bucks a month on the property, we just have to show that the property is going to make 2000 bucks a month it has to be a one-to-one -one ratio. So it has to be equal. And of course it will, because you wouldn't be buying the property if it wasn't going to at least make the mortgage per month. So that you can buy right in an LLC. You don't have to do it in your primary name. Sorry, you don't have to do it in your personal name. And uh, it doesn't go off your own debt to income, only on the property. And you can have as many finance properties as you want. So if you're going conventional, you can only have 10. So DSCR loans have really kind of opened up a lot, especially for people who have maybe switched from W-2 to 1099 income recently and don't have that two years to show. So it's just a lot more flexible. Avery, in regards to the, the underwriting process, one of the biggest questions that we always have on our Facebook community is that how can we prove that income, right? Because the goal is to make it a short-term rental and it's not even there. It's, it doesn't exist yet. So could you walk us through that? 
Yeah. So depending on where you buy, there's a number of things that the underwriters will look at. If the particular property has not been a short-term rental and doesn't have rental history, that's totally fine. They can use comps from around the property that might've been short-term rentals, or they can use the data from AirDNA to uh, make sure that it should hit that number. So there's different ways that they can do it. I've never, I'm sure it's happened. I have not personally seen anyone ever just be straight up denied unless it was just like a really, really weird location that just didn't make a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And, and with regards to AirDNA, I've heard different opinions about it. You know, tell us a little bit about your experience and like where it's most helpful and where what's the limit of trusting the results? Obviously, what we, we we learn how to trust but verify in this business, right? So it's just the same thing in any rental business. But curious to get your insight into that, you know, that app and how helpful or useful it really is. So AirDNA is not perfect. The data is not perfect, but it's pretty good. So it's a pretty good gauge because it will give you a market-wide picture of what properties are doing rather than what one random property manager has been able to do with one random property. But I do recommend getting as many data points as possible. So AirDNA would be one data point. Another data point, there's some other places you can get data. Uh, Rabu.com is a good one or um, Price Labs, which you wouldn't necessarily be buying a price lab subscription before you buy a property, but it does have a cool function called the market dashboards that gives you really cool market-wide data that it has because it's a pricing manager and that's what it does. It measures everybody else's performance. So that's another good place to get data. Something that we use at the short-term shop in conjunction with all of that, because there are things that numbers and data can't tell you is what we call the enemy method. So the enemy method is- Ooh, I like that. <laughs> you like that? It's where you go, like if you're buying a property in a neighborhood, you go on Airbnb or VRBO and you zoom in on the map on the neighborhood you want to buy in and you look at all of your enemies or your neighbors, but neighbor, the neighbor method isn't as fun to say. So we call it the enemy method. And you're looking for why the data says what it says. So you're looking basically for outliers. So if you're looking at a four bedroom property and there's a property next door that's also four bedrooms, but the pictures are terrible and they're blurry and like somebody's fingers in it and the description's terrible. And it's just way back in the search results because the host never answers questions. Well, that would be a property that is dragging the data down. Conversely, if you are looking at a four bedroom and there's one next door that comes with like private plane, a private chef, a chauffeur, all this stuff, well, they're probably getting a lot on their price per night. So it's probably dragging the data up. So you're looking at the data, but then also using the enemy method to go in and look at why the data says what it says. Love that. I love that. It um it's really important, right? Because we can all we can always look at the data and then say something isn't, you know, aligned with it and be able to explain why and how. And that's really critical, probably for all all types of investments. You know, I have to ask you too, Avery, you know, you, you talked about your your path at the beginning of the episode and you said this kind of started by accident. Now you have a growing company. You just wrote a book. You have a, you have multiple companies, multiple teams, multiple people. I'm curious to get your insight into like, what has been your greatest lesson from scaling? Uh, not only have you scaled your rental portfolio, but you've you scaled multiple and you started multiple businesses. And a lot of women in our community, a lot of women we serve are, are scaling a business. They're scaling multiple businesses and they're, they're trying so desperately to keep it all together. They're trying to balance it all and stay true to themselves. So. How have you been able to do that? How have you been able to, as you've grown and you know started all these really neat businesses, how have you kind of made sure that you have kind of taken care of yourself? And you know, what's been your greatest lesson through this through this journey of growth? 
I'm not sure that I have taken care of myself, <laughs> but, um, so for me and people who work for me or with me might disagree with this, but I don't wait for something to be perfect before I take off running with it. I take off running and adjust as I go. So that's kind of helped with the actually getting started, which is the hardest part of anything is just take off and start going and figure it out as you go. As far as balance, I've got two really little kids. They're three and one. And for me getting up at four o'clock in the morning has been a huge game changer because you get all those things done that might be pulling you away later in the day. So make sure the exercise is done early in the morning or else it'll never get done. So I am able to kind of step away from my computer at two when they're done with school and go hang out with them. So for me, hanging out with the kids is definitely my balance. So if I, as long as I've made sure that I have made time to be with them in the afternoons and the evenings, then I feel good and calm about most everything else going on. Love it. Three and one years old. That's, that's, uh, they're busy. They're busy and they're, 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 you know, figuring life out. I love that a lot. Avery, I love this. And I love all the work you're doing in, in the short-term round. You know, that's, that was one of my goals this year. I didn't achieve that goal, but that we got another, we had a new year ahead of us. So I'll be reaching oh, out. You, to, you, you know. don't know what's waiting for you in our annual meeting list. I'm, we're going <laughs> to get a, a plan. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, you bet. <laughs> we'll get a plan. I need a partner to be perfectly frank. Um, that's that's my one. That's my one step I'm going to take. But Avery, where can the ladies learn more about you? Short term shop, the mortgage shop, your book, all that good stuff. Where can they connect with you further? So uh, you can find me on our website, theshorttermshop.com. If you have mortgage questions, you can go to mortgageshop.co. We didn't get there in time to get that full domain. Or you can hit me on Instagram at the short term shop. And also, Avery is running a pod on our investor membership. We're listening to this at the end of 2021. We close our doors. So you we're gonna add here our waiting list. I wouldn't miss that. If you want to start investing in short-term rental, this is something that you need a mentor. So you don't make the same mistakes that all of us made at the beginning. And you can just like bypass. And as you can heard, you heard during this this entire interview, if we bring so much to the table and I I wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't choose anybody else, but, but Avery to run this. So we trust her very much. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Avery, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Probably E-Myth Revisited. Love that one. It's somewhere around here in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I can't stress the importance of waking up early enough because you have, it's quiet. The rest of the world isn't emailing you yet. So you have all that time to figure out and to kind of plan and just, you know, plan things out and figure out uh, what your next step is and how you're going to get there because the world is quiet. So definitely waking up early. The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Joan Jett, probably. Love it. Avery, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for uh, being such a trusted partner of ours in our community. You'll see Avery's name. She's always jumping in, answering questions so freely and supportively. So we really appreciate you and excited for all the neat things you have going on. So appreciate your time so much. Thank you all so much for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, 
go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.